The scripture reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. The reading is Acts 3, 1 to 11 from the New International Version, is as follows. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to be getting something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good afternoon. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Grant it to your servant to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and move in power through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Amen. In case you wonder why I pray that at the beginning of each uh, uh, sermon, in Acts, it's because those words actually come from the next chapter, the chapter that we'll get to uh, next week. Uh, and it seemed to me that they were the right prayer for us as we go through uh, the book of Acts. Well, I'm very sorry that I couldn't be with you last week. We missed a wonderful, challenging, encouraging passage about the church, a passage that I love. But this week we have to press on so that I don't intrude on Advent which uh, Rebecca has put together for us this year. But I do promise we'll return to that passage in the new year. At the end of that passage in Acts chapter 2, Luke says that the first Christians devoted themselves to the church's activities. And his description there shows that that meant four things in particular. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And the outcome of this devotion to these four things and to one another was that the Lord added to them daily those who were being saved. 
devotion to one another and devotion to those basic elements of church life is how the church grows in the power of the Spirit. Devotion to the Bible's teaching, devotion to fellowship, devotion to eating together, and devotion to prayer. And this week, in the next passage, Luke is going to give us an example of how uh, this adding of people took place. Hundreds and hundreds of people were joining the church at this time. Uh, We know this because at the end of Acts chapter 2, there are about 3,000 believers. But by the beginning of Acts chapter 4, we're told that there were around 5,000 believers. So Luke had 2,000 conversion stories that he could have chosen. But he chooses to tell us just one. One that exemplifies all he wants us to know about how God adds people to the church. In other words, Luke considers this account very important indeed. Uh, Peter and John are going up to the temple at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon. A lame man is being placed by others at the beautiful gate, the main entrance to the courts of the temple. He sees Peter and John and asks them for money. And Luke is very specific in his description of what happens next. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gives them his attention, and he's expecting to get something from them. But Peter says, I don't have any money, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Instantly, the man's legs become strong, and he begins to walk with them into the temple, walking and jumping and praising God. Inside, at Solomon's colonnade, the people recognize him as the beggar from the beautiful gate, and they're astonished and amazed at what's happened, and a large crowd rushes to see, gathering around Peter and John and the man. And this is Luke's example of what he's just told us that the church is all about. Immediately before this account, he told us, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and miraculous signs done by the apostles. Here's his example. Immediately before this account, he told us that every day the believers met together in the temple courts. Here's his example. Here are Peter and John on their way to the gathering of the believers in the temple courts. Immediately before this account, he told us that the believers devoted themselves to those things, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Here's his example. Three of those four things the first believers devoted themselves to underpin this story. The teaching of the apostles, immediately following this healing, uh, Peter speaks to the crowd, and while he's still speaking, we read, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. You see, Luke is giving us an example of the apostles' teaching. He's also giving us an example of fellowship. Peter and John are there in fellowship, and they're on their way to share in the fellowship of the believers in the temple. And then thirdly, prayer. 
They're going up to the temple specifically for the purpose of prayer. Now, there isn't any mention of the fourth thing that the church is devoted to, that is, the breaking of bread. But, of course, there's a good reason for that. After the time of prayer, that's when the believers shared in a meal. But before they get a chance to get to prayer, let alone to get to the meal, Peter and John get arrested. The point I'm getting at is that with this short story of healing of this lame beggar, Luke is giving us an example of almost everything that he's told us so far the church is supposed to be about. For Luke, this story represents something of the ideal of what the church's encounter with those outside should look like. How does the Lord grow his church? And what's our part in this? Well, let's walk through this account and try and see why Luke thinks this story is so important for us to know. So verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. It's interesting, isn't it, that the disciples continue to meet in the temple. Remember, Jesus had told them that he is the new temple. For those who follow him... He replaces the temple. They don't need the temple sacrifices, the temple worship anymore. Jesus is now the meeting place between God and man, no longer this building. And yet it's the place that they know. They have to have somewhere to meet, and this is what's familiar to them even if it's just one possible place to meet now, rather than something that's essential to their faith. It's striking that Luke tells us at the end of Acts chapter 2 that they also met daily in one another's homes, that they grew in their faith as much or more in homes as they did when they were gathered in the temple. Let's not miss the New Testament's call to gather together regularly in homes, to grow as disciples. This is that the dual pattern that's repeated throughout the book of Acts. It's repeated throughout the whole New Testament. It's not one or the other, a, a large group gathering or individual gatherings in homes. It's both gathering for worship and meeting in homes. Well, they meet at the second tamid, that is the second of the twice daily sacrifices. There's a sacrifice in the morning at dawn, and then there's another in the afternoon at 3 p.m., the ninth hour, which is exactly the time that Jesus died and the time that the curtain was torn in two in the temple. Now, the Christians, of course, are not participating in the sacrifice. Jesus' sacrifice was final and complete. But at the time of this second sacrifice, there was more of a, a prayer-oriented gathering in the temple. And that's what they come to. They come together to pray. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. The next chapter tells us that this man was over the age of 40, which means, of course, that he'd been begging there for at least 30 years, probably more. And it means that the apostles 
are almost sure to have seen him here many times before. And just a little later, other temple regulars recognize him and are familiar with him. And of course, this is very likely true of Jesus too. He must also have passed this man on his way into the temple. And the man would have been placed there by his family so that he could earn his keep. And of course, this is a very good location for begging. The man's physical weakness would have been seen as indicating his own inner moral weakness, particularly because he's had this affliction from birth and not as a result of some accident in later life. In popular thought, that indicated that he was a person who was marked by deep sinfulness in his character. Incidentally, that's why he's forbidden from going into the temple itself. When he's healed and he goes into the temple, he's never been in it before. He's, he's sat outside of it for 30 years, but not been in. Well, charity and concern and expressions of religious devotion towards this kind of person were of particular value in the Jewish faith. Almsgiving was considered an act of righteousness, so they would be especially likely to do this when they were going to worship. And here he was placed at the, the optimal place for begging, the, the beautiful gate, the entrance for going up to worship. A really good place to solicit contributions. And so when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. This man sees his need being met by money. And often the church chooses to respond directly to the expressed needs of those we encounter. This man's asking for money, so that's what we should give him. But the truth is that money will simply perpetuate his life as a crippled beggar. Perhaps if we take a step back from this immediate request, we'll see other, deeper needs. Now, surely this man needs working limbs. But even then, physical healing is only a partial solution for him, leaving him able-bodied, but without work, without income, without purpose, without restoration to dignity or a place in his community, without addressing the way he's perceived by others or the way he perceives himself or what he believes God thinks of him, having been told all his life that his condition shows that he's a deeply sinful person. People perceive their need in a certain way, but when we look at them through the eyes of Jesus, we may well find it more appropriate to respond in a different way. We don't always need to respond to the world the way that we're asked to respond. We cannot expect people who are alienated from God to accurately diagnose their own need. So while we always have to treat their view with respect, we can't simply do whatever they ask if we're going to see the kingdom of God, the reign of God, come in their lives. We've been given the secret of the kingdom, says Jesus. As yet, they have not. And this is why the first thing that Peter and John do may seem rather odd. 
And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Uh, the New Testament commentator Howard Marshall says, what could have been simply the occasion of mechanical charity is turned into a personal encounter as the lame man and the apostles look intently at one another. When we engage in charity, we can maintain a distance. We don't have to enter into relationship. Even something like serving food to the homeless can be an anonymous activity where we perhaps get to know a little about those who we're serving, but they never really get to know us. And Peter here doesn't just give this man his attention, he asks for the man's attention in return. And we aren't going to lead anyone to faith unless we get their attention. That means we have to get out of giving the gospel as a charitable act. Sharing Jesus with someone is a radical act. It interrupts their lives and it requires their attention. So Peter actually commands the man, look at us. Uh, there's a very well-known evangelist in the UK uh, who's originally from Cyprus. His name is J. John. Uh, he's called J. John because his Greek name translates into English as John, son of John. So he goes by J. John instead. And J. John tells the story of his conversion. Uh, he was at college in London. And one day he met uh, in the college halls uh, a guy called Andy Economides. And Andy was handing out copies of the Gospel of John to students who were passing by. He gave one to J. John, and he said, If you can't be bothered to read it, I can't be bothered to talk to you. And J. John says, That got my attention. And he went away, and he read the Gospel of John, and he came back to find Andy the next day, and he said, I want to become a Christian. Well, that meant that there were two Christians. So since there was two of them, they could start a Christian union. So they started a Christian union in their college with just the two of them. And they thought, how can we get more people to come and find out about the Christian faith? So they went to the Islamic society and they told those in the Islamic society that they really wanted to learn about the Quran and learn about uh, Islam. But in exchange... Presumably, the Muslim students would also want to learn about the Bible and want to learn about Christianity. So they started a Christian union that was full of Muslims. And then they would uh, organize speaker meetings. They'd ask uh, local uh, preachers uh, from different churches to come. But, of course, there was nobody at the meeting. They didn't have a group. So they would, they would get the preacher to stand in front of a room full of cha empty chairs and start to preach, and then they would go out into the halls, and they would say, you're missing him. It started. You're missing the speaker. And the room would gradually fill up. And that way, they saw many, many, many people gradually coming to faith. And J. John has gone on to uh, become certainly the foremost British evangelist uh, over the, the last uh, 30, 40 years. And it all stems from that challenge Give me your attention. Now, I know that most of us are not going to be quite as direct as that. But in this generation that we're living in, that is saturated with unimportant messages, 
texts and tweets and emails and posts, uninformed and unsolicited opinion, and endless advertising. We need to develop the habit of asking for people's attention. Not so that they'll give attention to us, but ultimately so that they'll give attention to Jesus. People are walking through this world. They're they're walking through their lives looking for answers to all of the problems they see around them. Looking for hope. And entirely unaware that God has spoken in Jesus Christ. God has answered their deepest cries for hope and meaning and forgiveness and peace. And we have the joy of announcing that good news to them. If only we can get their attention. Look at us. Give me your attention. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. If you noticed, there are no preliminaries here. No, can I pray for you? Just, in the name of Jesus, walk. It's a command. It's not even a prayer. And Peter's words are in a very deliberate order here. The, the English does accurately reflect the original Greek word order. Silver or gold I do not have is what comes first. He, disappoint, excuse me, he disappoints the man. Then he offers him something better than he expected. That's the way to give the gospel. We have to begin by disappointing people. See, they already have a certain expectation, a hope for what will help them in their lives. In this case, it's money. But Jesus has so much more in store for them, and we cannot offer them that until other solutions are off the table. People cannot receive God's wonderful answers in their lives until they stop pursuing their own solutions. Howard Marshall says, it's to be noted that Peter did have access to silver and gold. We know that from the end of chapter 2. The point was that in this case, he could offer something better that went to the root of the man's problem. It's important to say that this is not a prohibition on giving people financial help. Sometimes money is the appropriate response. The Bible doesn't pit spiritual help against other kinds of help that we can give, material help or physical help. Physical healing is given to the man in this account. But that healing is a sign of the salvation of the whole person. The total healing of the whole person that Jesus will give to all who put their faith in him when his kingdom comes in all its fullness. Marshall says this is a pointer to the church's priorities. We're to demonstrate the love of Christ as a sign of his coming kingdom. And when it is such a sign, we can, be, we can act boldly 
And the apostles don't wait to be asked for healing. They take the initiative. And Peter doesn't beg the Lord for healing. There's no magic formula here. The, the key thing here is the acknowledgement that Jesus is at work. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. In other words, by the power and authority of Jesus, walk. But, but I also want us to recognize that Peter's invitation to the lame man is something more than we might first think. Again, Peter's words are intentional. They're, they're precise. He doesn't simply say, be healed in Jesus' name. He says, walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And this is the invitation that we've all received, to live life in the name of Jesus. It is purpose, vocation, meaning, it is a new relationship with the Lord. The healing of the man's feet and ankles, it's only the start of the walk to which Jesus calls this man. That's the instant that's going to be followed by the lifetime of walking with Jesus. Peter doesn't wait to see if he's been healed. He lifts the man up. He exercises faith in the man's healing. Uh, it seems to me this is a great lesson for us. When we set out as a church or as individual Christians to serve others, we, we always need to do so in faith. We shouldn't do anything where there's no room for faith, where we don't leave God any space to act. If we only attempt to do what we can do in our own strength, where is the room for the Lord to work? It's no wonder we so rarely see him move in power. We have everything nicely planned out, and all we do is ask for his blessing on our plans, the cherry on top of a cake that we've made entirely ourselves. And when we act, we need to act in confidence that God is at work, to put our reputations at risk, to show that we truly have faith in the living God. We are supposed to be an example of what faith in Jesus looks like. We're not supposed to expect all the faith to come from the person in need. Now, how did Peter know to do this? Not to wait for the healing to take place, but to take this man by the hand and to help him up. How did Peter know to do this? It was something he'd seen Jesus do. Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, says a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he didn't let anyone go in with him except Peter and John and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. See, Peter's not guessing what to do. 
He's following the example of Jesus. It's Jesus who is at work here, not Peter. That's not to say that Peter has no part in it, you understand. But when the church does its part, Jesus works. The believers devoted themselves to the church, and the Lord added to their number those being saved. Now, I think it's worth saying that even in the book of Acts, miracles like this one are few and far between. Remember, Acts covers a period of about 30 years. Generally, in the history of the church, healing miracles of this sort don't come thick and fast. And we can easily see why when we look at some of those who call themselves healers today. Another commentator, David Peterson, commenting on this passage says, Christians today cannot simply command healing in the name of Jesus. You see, healing miracles are not ours to dole out like candy. Peter himself says in the speech that that follows and explains this healing to the crowd that God will not restore everything until Jesus returns. It's only then that everyone will be healed. But until then, friends, it's never wrong to pray for healing. God in his sovereignty appoints certain healings as signs of his kingdom. And don't let me discourage you from praying for healing, and don't let any of this discourage you from that. I'm, I'm happy to pray for anyone, anytime. And like Peter and John, we need to be listening to the Spirit for those moments when he actually points us to someone's need. But remember, we said this is Luke's example. Many other stories of people being saved and added to the church were not miraculous healing stories. But everyone who is saved is healed from their sin miraculously. That's why this is such a good example. It illustrates physically, visibly, what happens spiritually to everyone who is saved. Verse 8, He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. The word that uh, Luke uses here for jumping is, is a rare uh, verb, unusual. It's used in the Greek version of the Hebrew Scriptures in Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 6. Uh, then will the uh, lame leap like a deer. And most commentators agree that Luke is deliberately pointing us back to this chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 35, which is a picture of what things will be like when the kingdom of God comes in all its fullness. Healing is a wonderful example, but it's not the only sign of God's intentions towards people. Freedom for those unjustly imprisoned, release for the oppressed, love for the unloved, joy for the brokenhearted. Isaiah 35 says, strength for fearful hearts. There are a hundred ways that we can respond to the deep needs of people that will be for them a sign and a foretaste of what it will be like when God's reign comes completely. And the man who was lame recognizes that this is what's happening because he begins to praise God. He doesn't praise Peter. 
Uh, one commentator says, since he'd never expected anything like this to happen, and since he realizes as a Jew that this is a powerful miracle that only God the Creator could have caused, he gives praise to God. And he's not the only one. In verse 9, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a sad thing there in those verses. The sad thing is that the crowd doesn't join in the praises of God. The words that Luke uses for their response are wonder, amazement, and astonishment, not faith or praise or worship. And that's the sad truth about miracles that Jesus pointed out when he said that even if they saw someone rise from the dead, they wouldn't believe. People are excited by the supernatural, but they're only convicted, they're only changed if they recognize that that miracle is a sign and a foretaste of the kingdom of God. If they recognize that that miracle points to all that God in his love wants to do for them. And signs and foretastes of the kingdom come in many different ways. Whenever, whenever you nurture faith in Jesus in another person, whenever you share something of the hope that you have in Jesus with another person, whenever you share the love of Jesus in word or action or both with another person, so long as they give you their attention, if through us they give Jesus their attention, then there is every chance that they might glimpse something of the kingdom of God. Will you pray with me? Friends, take a moment to, to bring to mind a neighbor or a friend or a family member who you know is in need of help. What might it look like if the kingdom of God came in all its fullness in that person's life? Is there a way they would like us to respond to them? A way that they would like their need to be met? And how should, how should you respond to that? We don't have to respond to people the way they expect us to. What would it look like if God's will was done in this person's life? Let me give you a moment to bring that person just before the Lord, and then I'll pray.
Lord, show us how to respond to the needs of these people that we've been thinking about. Show us how to respond to the needs of all of those with whom you bring us into contact uh, the rest of this day and over this coming week. Lord, help us to respond to them in ways that will result in praise being given to you. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.